Hey everybody, before we get started today, I want to tell you about a brand new product that I tried and thoroughly enjoyed and want to tell you about called Only 3 Snack Crisps. It's one of the most delicious healthy chips available to snackers today. Spelt flour, sea salt, and spring water is all you find in this delicious 130 calorie treat. They are perfect with your favorite dip, on the go, in between meals, and as a bonus, they are vegan friendly too. Order your three pack bundle today at only3snacks.com. That's only3snacks.com. Welcome to Before the Lights Podcast, the show to find out how those in sports, music, and entertainment made their mark. Today, we have an international TV personality, an entrepreneur, author, mindfulness and communication expert, a Will Hamida model. She's been featured on the Today Show, Dr. Oz, and has been in Oprah and Women's Day magazines. A leadership and performance coach, broadcast journalist, a certified executive and success coach for business leaders and athletes. She's a certified ICF coach, licensed MBI consultant, a meditation teacher, and course creator for Insight Timer. A motivational speaker with a 20-year TV and modeling career, and worked with the biggest names in the fashion industry, such as Neiman Marcus, Macy's, Tommy Hilfiger, and Saks. She was a national spokesperson with Origel. Please welcome to the show, Kate Ekman. Kate, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I, I love the intro and I'm clearly hungry because I want that snack. Oh, that was, those snacks are so good. I mean, they are fantastic. I didn't know what to expect, but just three ingredients, they blew me away. They are really good. I, I need one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's back time up here with, before we get going to where we're at today. St. Ursula Academy, Cincinnati, Ohio. What did that lay as the foundation for who you are today? Wow, what a great question. And I've been doing so much press for my book and I have not been asked that or anything close to that. So thank you for a fun question. Sure. That was such a great place to learn and get an education because it was all girls. It was only about 100 people per class. So only about 400 people in the whole school and individualized attention from from teachers. But it was all about learning. And, and I was a swimmer. So I was I was the jock. I was an athlete. And you know, I, I guess I really didn't wear any makeup back then. Anyway, I really, I was a swimmer at an all girls high school. So I didn't care what I looked like. Nobody <laughs> cared what I looked like. It went from swim practice to all girls to back to swim practice. So I did nothing to my <laughs> appearance, which makes me laugh because right now I'm so done up. No one can see. Um, but I love that because there's so much freedom in that. And you're there focusing on the task at hand, which was getting an education, getting into a good school, getting into good college and, and athletics and friendships. It was about deeply connecting. There was no drama, no nonsense, no distractions. It was just, it was fun. I loved high school and I, it's the best decision my parents ever made sending me there. I'm not Catholic, but I was at a Catholic high school. <laughs> so it was, you know, I just, I, I'm appreciative of, of, of learning in that way. You've continued a lot of learning in your life, and I see it's important to you. You were an academic all-American swimmer at Penn State, and you got a degree in communications. Then you got a broadcast journalism master's at the Northwestern Medill School of Journalism. And then you graduated with the highest degree from Columbia U in the executive and organizational coaching program. So you've turned into a lifelong learner. Before we get going, why is education so important to you? 
One of my greatest strengths and values, I took a test that everyone can take. It's the VIA or VIA character strengths. I highly recommend it. And behind love and humor, my next greatest strength and value is love of learning. So I just think, I didn't even realize that. I think I took this assessment two years ago, but I just have a thirst for knowledge. And I also believe in, in education in terms of really training yourself and being able to offer the most that you can to your job, to your clients or whatever you're doing. I come from a family of doctors, so you can't be a physician without going through medical school Mm. and residency and a fellowship. And I saw how hard my older brother worked and how hard my parents worked. So I think that those values were always instilled in me. And I thought if I'm going to do something, I'm really going to do it. I don't do anything halfway. So I didn't want to just be an okay journalist. I wanted to have the skill set and training and education to be the best I could be in that field with coaching. You're, you're having people's well-being in your, in your hands. I take that very seriously. Everyone and their sister calls themselves a coach these days. I wanted to be able to work with, with high achievers and performers and athletes and people who, um, I, well, everyone needs great care, but people who need that extra push. And I wanted the training to do it. So also, I just, I, I love to learn. I guess I'm a nerd and I, I tell myself I'm done after this, but I already can see myself getting other degrees and I, I get a bunch of certifications. It's fun to learn. I think it makes you a deeper, richer, more interesting person. And, and then you're able to connect with people in a more meaningful way. I would agree. 2002 to 2005, you were the entertainment reporter at Hollywood.com. And then from 05 to 06, you were a White House correspondent. From those two early career paths that you're having in journalism, what did you take from it that you're using today? Oh, I love these questions. I think the entertainment reporter, I mean, you, it was thrilling, right? Because you're mm-hmm. like practically touching faces with the biggest names in the world, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, whomever, pick your, I, Tom Cruise, talk to everybody, you meet everybody. And so it's just, it was such an interesting dynamic from that. I take away something, two things that, that stand out right now. One is from Tom Cruise. I was at the last Samurai premiere. There was over 300 members of the press there, national and international. That movie's two and a half hours long. The movie, the premiere was over and Tom never made it into the theater in Westwood. He was still out on the red carpet, 75% of which had been rolled up. The lights were turned out and he was talking to some media outlet from probably no place, nowhere, gave every single person on that press line his undivided attention when his publicist, who is was not a nice person, sorry, Tom Cruise publicist, <laughs> um, kept trying to pull him away from all the press, me being one of them. Um, he, he, he said, no, like these people are here. I'm going to, so I, I will never forget that moment because a lot of celebrities, they come in, they do kind of like the big five outlets, access Hollywood, extra ET and leave either tell their publicists to pull them in or do. So I, I really saw the class and character in, in him and that being nice does translate into success. So I love that lesson. And the second lesson from that is Tommy Lee Jones being on the red carpet and listening to the journalists in front of me say, oh, you know, hi, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, not that well. My grandmother just died. And she said, that's great. That's great. So what was it like working with so-and-so? 
So clearly not listening. And he shot me a look of death and, and, and left the red carpet in disgust. And I'll never forget that because it just speaks to the fact that so many people don't really see us or hear us or acknowledge us. And, and they are just, you know, we're in the, we're in the business of interviewing people and coaching and deep listening and how it is an art form and that people don't always do it well. So that's from the Hollywood White House correspondent. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> you can write another book probably on that. Yes. I'm glad I was not doing that in this era of politics, for sure. And I think just what stands out for me that just navigating even around Capitol Hill, it is it is a, a maze in there. And um but that was exciting because in that you can talk about things that are hopefully laws and, and things that are getting done to move the needle. And but again, I was just saying, you see all the politics, you know, pun intended. There's just it's I, I don't think I can curse here, but it's an SH show. OK, it's a total <laughs> shit show. So it's just like. What is even going on here? But I, what I did like about that is I, I learned so much. The thing about journalism, it's so intertwined with the law. So I did learn a lot about the law and um, how they're interconnected and just the importance of of free speech and the importance of journalism. There's been an attack on it, but I, I stand behind it, obviously, as a journalist. And I think it's important for you know, I have integrity as a journalist and that's another reason I'm happy I went to school because there's some people do and some people don't. So yeah, I go on and on, but I will stop there. I was going to say, we'll leave that right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you've had some ups and downs in your life, just like we all have. You've dealt with your own mental and emotional challenges. People are listening that may be going through this. How does somebody handle their emotional well-being? I think it's so important to spend at least five minutes a day. I call it my sit and stare time and to sit and stare out the window, stare straight ahead and really check in with yourself like you would a small child and ask, how are you doing? What do you need? What's working? If you're feeling really courageous, tell yourself, good job. I'm so proud of you and really honor even the smallest of wins that, that you can, because we, we sometimes just go about our lives in autopilot. We are half asleep at times. We have fallen asleep to the truth of who we are. And so when you take this time to sit and connect with yourself, focus in on, on your breath and even just ask yourself how you're doing. I'll never forget. I remember going to visit my agent one day at work and I was just like, Hey, how are you doing? And she looked at me and she said, wow, Kate, nobody's asked me that in a long time. And I thought, well, that's quite sad, especially because you're married. And you know, <laughs> isn't, isn't that person obligated to check in in that way? But OK, maybe not. Um, but, you know, we get so offended or uh, upset or insulted when people don't really check in with us or when people overlook or reject us. But think how often we don't check in with or we overlook or reject ourselves. So I think having that that quiet time, whether and even if you can't, you know, go into meditation or something like that, but distraction free time to be fully present with yourself is so vital. And then choosing to put your well-being front and center of your life. And that's that's been a non-negotiable for me this past year because I'm not willing to go to a dark place. It has been so challenging in numerous ways, as everyone is well aware of. And so really making your well-being a priority. When somebody has their own insecurities and they have overwhelming stress and anxiety, I think of it more like the duck syndrome to where 
on the surface level, they look like everything's okay. But underneath the water, they're paddling like hell and trying to figure out what their next move is. How does somebody try and slow that underwater current going on and actually show that they need some help? I think it's first being aware and and being conscious of the fact that you're struggling and that there's no shame in struggling. You're human. It is part of the human experience. We all struggle with with multiple things. So I think being clear and getting comfortable with that, acknowledging it, and then asking, okay, what do I want to do about this? And, you know, I do all these inner fitness practices that I, I talk about. And I think sometimes people are taught and, and think that the only thing to do is to present this polished quote unquote, perfect package to the world. And that's part of who you are, probably Mm -hmm. a small part, but many of us don't have the courage or the strength to be that messy person behind the scenes, just trying to keep it all together and, and being okay, presenting that version of ourselves to the world. He or she is great. He or she is relatable. He or she is everybody. Everyone has their challenges. So I think the more that we can just be real and honest and vulnerable about what's happening within us at our core and, and being comfortable with that within ourselves. If you want to share it with others, great, but at least please be honest with yourself about Mm -hmm. where you are and, and be okay with that. And then be willing to step into another place. That's a bit more empowering. What was the moment for you, Kate, that you decided I need to make a change in my life? It's it's this might be a little triggering for people, um, but I lost not one, but two dear friends to suicide within a year of one another. One was my ex-boyfriend. The other was a best friend who I was in love with for all of my adult life. And I found myself having a panic attack in the near the middle of Times Square, which is panic inducing, even under the best of circumstances. Anyone who's been there in New York City and I. I found myself at a Dwayne Reed near Penn station, just contemplating wanting to take this bottle of antidepressants that I had prescribed for this panic attack and not knowing what was going on, completely falling asleep to the truth of what was happening. I I didn't want to hurt myself. I was just in so much pain and I wanted it to go away, whatever that took. Fortunately, my brother is a physician and, you know, was there and, and, and really got me to snap back into my body and what was happening, but it scared me to death, not just losing these friends and the grief, but really having to examine the way I was living my life and, and, and us being someone who like everyone, quite frankly, Tommy, like everyone put my worth and my value in the outside world and the externals, what I look like, how much money I'm making, my job, how many people I'm impressing, all of that crap that research shows. And I don't need research to show me, but I did it just to concur and to <laughs> confirm what I already knew to be true for all the people who like data and research. Um, that doesn't move our, our, our well-being needle. What moves the well-being needle is acts of kindness and service, sleep, exercise, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it was that moment and, and it was a wake up call to say the least. And my life depended on answering it. I see that you're a suicide prevention and awareness activist. So that makes complete sense now based on that story. Sorry to hear that anybody had to go through that, especially yourself with two inside of a year. But you said something that resonated with me that I have said to friends of mine as well is I wish people would accept people for who somebody is and not for what they are. You know, if you strip away, like you said, the cars, the money, 
the house, whatever, the toys, who is the person? And if you can get to know who the person is and not be enamored by everything else that you think is that person, then you find who the true person really is. Absolutely. And and even you saying that breaks my heart because I think of so many people I've worked with. I think of so many people that I've met, even a gentleman I met today. And, and I see the pain and struggle behind these people who not only are trying to keep it all together and pretend and present and all the things that we've all been guilty of doing, but you can tell, or I've had friends say to me, I mean, I work with professional athletes. They have said to me, will anyone, and I'm not talking about fans, they're talking about people in their life who call themselves friends and relatives. Does anybody even love me for me? Mm. And that that is a question and a real concern of theirs breaks my heart. But I think that's a lot of people or people think if I don't look this way, what value do I have? If I don't have this money, what value do I have? If I don't have some physical material thing to offer, what value do I have? And and I think we struggle with finding people who I, I have felt that way. Mine is I'm always the life of every party and everyone's best friend and bring in the joy and energy. But, but what, what about when I'm in a dark place or I'm having a bad moment or day? Who's there for me? And and I found not a lot of people because they take from me. They they get energy from me. So you find out who your friends are real quick, whether you're experiencing a lot of success or you're you're going through some dark moments. And and God bless the people who see us and and love us for who we are underneath all the stuff. In fact, I encourage you to call one of those people. And first of all, if you have just one of those people, consider yourself lucky and a success. And I encourage you to call that person or those people today, tomorrow, the next day. And for no reason at all, just give them a gratitude. I call it a gratitude visit and express your gratitude for them and what they add to your life. The book is The Fall Sprint Workout, a 10-step system to shed your self-doubt, strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun, fulfilling life. There's going to be a link in the show notes, people, to get your hands on this book. We're going to go over a few things in it, but I want people to get their hands on the copy and read it. Kate, if you would, negative versus positive thinking. So, uh, you know, I think that there's something called toxic positivity that's happening in our culture right now. And there's this notion that, you know, we're too precious, too positive, too enlightened, to feel anything other than positive feelings. Sometimes it is appropriate that you are feeling, I don't want to say negative, but, but sad and acknowledging that like, wow, what's going on in the world today is sad. It's appropriate that I am sad. There's <laughs> quite frankly, if you haven't experienced depression or anxiety this past year, then I worry about you. There has been a lot going on. So if if you're not depressed or anxious at all from anything this past year, call me because then I want to talk to you. Um, so I, I think so much of it is our, our core beliefs and they, they go way back to childhood. We pick up some, some stranger. I talk about a story in the book. Some swim instructor said something I heard as a four-year-old that it, I made as a core belief and it was limiting. And we pick these things up as we go about our life. And then we collect evidence for why that lie, why that limiting thing is true. I think what I'll say about positive and negative thoughts is to, know your own truth. So whatever people say can't, can't affect you so negatively, but collect evidence for the compliments, collect evidence for your strengths and your gifts. And if you're, you're not clear on what your strengths and your gifts are, ask your best friend, ask your spouse, 
ask your coworker and start to put the focus there rather than on even positive or negative because we're human beings. Emotions are, it's emotion. There are emotions are in motion there. They come and go. I think just recognize when you are in a quote unquote negative space, get curious about why you're in that space and then ask what, what's, what am I here to learn? What's the lesson here and be willing to shift out of that place and into a mindset that's going to benefit you and, and serve you in a better way. How does one then not allow somebody else's approval or disapproval to matter? This is about building that unshakable, unbreakable inner confidence that can only come from within. And confidence stems from the words to trust. So this is about trusting in ourselves, trusting in other people, trusting in a higher power, if you believe in that, trusting the process, which isn't always easy because we want what we want when we want it. And usually we want it right now. So it is trusting in that. And um, I think sometimes too, that we, we place so much stock in what other people think when we have fallen asleep to the truth of who we are and, and we aren't clear and we aren't spending that time with ourselves. And for example, when I was writing this book, when I'm immersed in a passion project, I don't care what anybody thinks about anything because I'm so immersed in, in my purpose and in, in, in putting something together to help uplift the world. So I think when you are in that place of being concerned about others or you're caught in the comparison trap, bring it back home to yourself and what you can control and, and go within and start to cultivate the inner characteristics like kindness and compassion and, and reach out to someone in need that you can help be in an act of service or an act of kindness. But quite frankly, even right now, like we're talking, I'm fully present here with you. I don't care what anybody thinks because I'm showing up here authentically. I'm being myself. I'm having fun. That's what success is to me. If you like it, great. If you don't, great. But I like it and I like what you're doing. So <laughs> the rest is whatever. <laughs> I can't control anything else besides that. Agree. It's it's almost like people need to believe more in themselves. And I don't think people do enough of that these days. Yeah, because they, they're plugged into societal standards they right. don't even believe in. They're living a life based on what somebody says they should be doing, what they think they should be doing. And they haven't spent that time, even the five minutes a day, to sit with themselves and even check in. Well, what do I want? What do I think? And it's not just even what I want. What do I really want? I put that in italics. What do I really want? Those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. and, and these are the exercises I talk about. And I really get underneath the hood of the car and my work and my coaching and this book, asking people heartfelt, but very gritty questions. We're, we're not talk. We're not, do, we're not up here on the surface. People spend enough time on the surface. We are getting underneath the hood of the car to really ignite some transformation and growth and change. What does it take to get your spirit in shape then? So that is kind of what I was saying earlier, where it's, it's having the courage to be who you really are that put together person you present to the world and the messy person behind the scenes, trying to keep it all together. It's, it's leaning into a thought system that's based on abundance and love and faith rather than fear and lack. And, and it's, it's knowing that you are 
capable of doing anything that you decide is important enough, owning your greatness and power, rather than thinking you're not good enough, succumbing to the imposter syndrome. It's, it's going within to the truth of who you are rather than living outside of yourself, caught up in all of the chaos and uncertainty. And this is a practice. You have to spend the time to go within. It's like physical exercise. You can't just show up at the gym in your cute outfit and expect your personal <laughs> trainer to do your sit-ups and push-ups for you. We all know this. You have to put in the work, but, and this works if you do the work too. If you do these exercises, if you take the time to do it, you'll see the, the needle start to move. You'll get the results and then you'll, you'll crave it. So spiritual fitness is becoming the men and women who are capable of achieving their cherished goals. It's, it's not the striving and forcing and controlling to make it happen. No, it's more about stillness and, and, and it's sharpening your instrument. It's fine to or sharpening your sword and fine tuning your instrument so that you can play it for the world. Does that make sense? It does. To follow up on that, then how does the system work for somebody who then is a overachiever or an underachiever? The overachievers are going to need to start valuing themselves for something other than their achievements and accomplishments. That's something I very much relate to. And that is about who am I beneath the titles and labels and, and getting clear on that and thinking about what you want your legacy to be. And there's, I work with so many people who have achieved everything in the outside world, but they say, I, I don't, I don't feel fulfilled and my life lacks meaning. So it's, it's, it's doing that work to, well, what is important to you? So again, asking all these questions, it's all in the book because I know not everyone can afford an executive coach and, but here's all the tools. Mm -hmm. Here's all the framework and strategies. I think for someone who thinks that they're an underachiever or I have people say, well, I'm lazy or I start something and I never finish then getting into, okay, well, why is that? And a lot of times it goes back again to childhood, something that was said to them, or they say, well, that's just how I am. So it is, we are getting to the roots of the problem. It's, you, you can't just put a bandaid on something. You have to really get in there and say, okay, well, where, why is this a pattern in your life? So when you start asking yourselves these questions, it unravels, but not everyone is meant to be a super achiever. Some people are fine doing I don't think they really are. I think they will say that because I think deep down they know they could be contributing more to society or to their life or whatever it is. So I would say take baby steps and stop judging yourself. Stop judging yourself and policing yourself. But once you get really clear on what you want, then you're going to be excited to show up every day and be willing to try and, and actually do what you say you want to do. I think you uh, somehow got a copy of my questions because you're leading me right into the next one. You, your 10 That's so weird. <laughs> your 10 step plan, and we're not going to go through all of them, but the first one I want to talk to is something that just resonated when you were talking about the underachiever, and that is to stretch one's comfort zone. And people need to do that. Can you explain why staying in a comfort zone isn't always good? Well, our comfort zone is just this arbitrary boundary that we've created in our minds based on fear. And it's not good to stay stuck there because you're not going to grow. You're not going to expand into the person who can achieve your goals. Mm -hmm. Even if your goal is just, 
I want to not feel like crap every day. You feel like crap because you're, you're just the hamster on, you're even just going slowly on the wheel. You're not even running on the wheel. So, and this is said with no judgment because we've all been there, right? This is, we've all been there. Let's stop pretending we haven't. We have all, you know, not been living our potential, not been doing the things that, that make us feel good and that contribute to the greater good of the world. So when we stretch our comfort zone, first of all, you will, you will be, guided, you will be given help. I call it by the universe. For example, when I stretched my comfort zone of leaving LA and moving to Chicago to go to grad school, and I I never thought I would leave LA, but I put my house on sale and it sold the highest week of the US real estate market in history. So it was like winning the lottery. My home tripled in value in three years. And I say that to say, it's because I dared to take a risk and, and do something that was really scary and uncomfortable. So look, the universe stepped in and rewarded me. So life gets really juicy when we're a little bit uncomfortable. And even psychologists will tell you when, when we are feeling just a little bit of anxiety from, from taking that risk and stepping out of that comfort zone, that's where we're in our high performance zone. That's where we become the people who can do these things and achieve these goals. So I know it can feel uncomfortable and scary, but what is the alternative feeling bored and stuck and, and not doing the things that, that you deserve and you desire. That's no fun. That's no fun. On top of that, then is it the same thing or is it different when somebody expects someone else to complete them? Oh, wow. Well, you open a can of worms. I mean, as I like to say, I'm like, oh, that is so that's like an epidemic in our culture. Oh, Jerry Maguire. Um, As I like to say, I am a complete person who wants to share my completeness with another complete person. There is this cultural standard where people are expecting one person to complete them, the amount of stress and pressure that you put on that person. And we've been both people, right? We've done it to, to somebody and somebody's done it to us. Mm-hmm. Neither feels good. It, it is, is not healthy. So I think the key is to become the person, become your own dream partner. Everyone's got these laundry lists of how they want their current or future partner to behave or to be why don't you embody and embrace all of those things? And that's how you will attract that. And that's how you will inspire your current partner, perhaps to rise to that level. So rather than trying to control someone or only love them when they say exactly what you want them to say, or they behave exactly as you want them to behave, why don't you give people the space to grow into, to be that person. And look, I'm not here to tell anyone what to do. Sometimes it means you stay with that person and work it out. Other times it means the relationship has run its course and the best and healthiest solution is to separate. Um, I don't know that for you. I just know that forgiveness works. I think the biggest gift we can give ourselves and others is, is to forgive. That does not mean you stay with the person. That does not mean you even like the person. <laughs> But we are <laughs> we are giving ourselves that gift and giving other people that gift. But I think the more that we can dwell and that we are complete because we are rather than needing all of these things or people to fill us up, the more we just attract all of these things that we want anyway. I hope this is making sense. It sounds so simple because it is, but I know that it's not easy. It's almost people need to follow their values over their hearts then. See, now you are reading my words and I love it. You pay attention. I appreciate you. I was a woman who followed my heart and, and, uh, 
what I, what I learned and realized is that we need to follow our values before our heart, because your heart, yeah, you can attach and and be attracted Mm -hmm. to some people that you really are into physically or (laughs) you bond chemically when you're intimate with someone, but it can, it can lead you to a, a place that doesn't serve either of you when you don't share the same values. So I think just being clear with what your values are and spending some time there, people say, well, what's my value? Freedom, for example, one of my number one values, integrity, authenticity. When we know our values, then we'll know what we're attracted to or what we want in another. And when those things are in alignment, that's when you can work through things. But when it's just like, I need you, I'm desperate, you're hot, all of those things, we all know this. It's that's not going to take you very far. You have to have that solid foundation on which you've built your relationship. And this goes for personal and professional relationships, friendships, businesses. If, if you don't share a core values with your company or they don't have core values, uh, I, I don't know. It, it may get a little hairy in there and you, and you, you won't respect the situation and there'll be some resentment building. Social media thoughts, feelings on your ends and has social media clouded what people's clear intentions are in this world. Wow. I mean, social media, again, you don't need research to, to show or tell you we've all experienced this where you're having a perfectly great day and you log on there and you just find yourself, Oh my gosh, well, my dog house, husband outfit vacation isn't as good or cute or whatever. And it, it takes you out. And so I think when you can, you know, social media uses us, we all know like these, they use us, they can sell your image, not blah, blah, blah. So they use us. Let's use them back. Use it as for me, I use social media as a place of connection. And when I find myself taken out, when I said, oh my gosh, where did the last two hours go? It's draining. It's exhausting. It's mindless in many ways. That's when you have to take a time out. And that's when you have to remind yourself if you really want to feel better, if you need a 10 minute break to kind of mindlessly do something, go to something that's actually going to try to do an act of service, call a friend and said, Hey, how are you doing? I'm just checking in. I haven't heard from you in a while, something like that, rather than liking their photo on Instagram. You know, what was the second part that you asked me about that? Do you think social media has clouded what people's real intentions are anymore? Oh, wow. What a question. I I mean, it certainly has clouded what we think is real. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't have like these women on here. Don't they look like caricatures or blow up dolls? It's like, I don't even think people realize what a real human looks like anymore, face or body. I think that is so damaging on that. But I think I think it's clouded us in so many ways because we're spending more time on there than face to face with someone looking at a real person and and just even connecting in a real way. And you that gets played out. I remember like losing two loved ones. It's like someone liked my post on Facebook that I lost my love to suicide, but you couldn't even call me and say, how are you doing? So it's this disconnection. I right. think it's just cloud clouding reality and clouding basic human interaction and decency, right? I, I, yeah, I agree because I think social media has made people communicate and say things that they obviously won't say face-to-face, but they feel like they have a shield in, in around them because they have a keyboard and they have a screen. But if you would put that person right in front of them, I think 90% of the stuff that's said in social media would be disappeared. A hundred percent. And I I talk about that in in the book too. They talk to you like you're not a real person sitting at home behind behind your phone or computer. Mm -hmm. And I think 
exact why I do all these inner fitness exercises and the full spirit workout is because are people that say, well, I don't have time to sit and stare. I don't have time to meditate. I say, I don't have time to be angry. I don't have time to yell at my loved ones because I'm exhausted and overwhelmed. I don't have time to be miserable. And that's what I say to the the trolls. It's clearly people who have done no inner work, who even if you think that spending the time to say it to another human being, and we all know human beings have feelings. I just, you've completely lost your way. You've completely lost touch with yourself. That's what I'm trying to do here is, is bring people back home to themselves and what really matters because it has gotten pretty icky and hateful out there. And Mm -hmm. if you're cultivating these inner characteristics and you're working out your mental, emotional, spiritual muscles, the, the thought would never even cross your mind to behave that way. Yeah. Right. I say to a lot of people now, I am highly allergic to drama and misery. I, I don't want it in my life. I'm allergic to it. I will go the other way. And you create it yourself. I think people create misery and drama on their own instead of looking in the mirror and having some tough conversations with people that you need to have. Yeah, because it's so much easier to point the finger and place mm-hmm. blame and shame another rather than having to look at yourself, which by the way, when you're attacking, shaming, blaming another, you're also energetically attacking, blaming, shaming yourself. And that's why it feels like crap. You think like, oh, when I tell this jerk what a jerk they are, I'm going to feel better. No. And then you are actually embodying everything you don't like about that person. And it's this vicious cycle. So I think if you if you are in that place, whatever it is, in any form of negativity, recognize that you're doing it and and take a little adult time out here and, and think about who you really want to be and know that you're blocking your blessings and you're repelling your goals. It's that whole concept of may we be generous out of self-interest, meaning you can only really get what you give. If you're putting out nothing but negative, you're not supportive of other people, you're not getting anything good back. So yeah. I, I don't know how else to be more clear about it. I don't know why as adults, we're not getting this because we we learned it when we were children, hopefully from if not at home at school or something. But I think we've all really kind of lost sight of, of what's going on here. And, and we need to really bring it in and being conscious and deliberate and intentional about who you want to be and what kind of life you want to have. But by the way, we're here to have fun and enjoy ourselves. We are not here to be miserable and treat people, especially ourselves badly. I don't know why this is a newsflash. I think people aren't having the conversation that you and I are having right now are not being had anymore. Everything is done through the fingers and through emojis and everything else. And the real conversations aren't happening. So this is good for people to listen to. And the great thing about podcasts are you can rewind them. So you can re-listen to this over and over as many times as you need to get it through, you know, sink in what we're trying to tell you here. Yeah. And I think just be open and willing, you know, our, our good intentions are not enough. Our willingness is everything. So being willing mm-hmm. to open yourself, your mind, your heart, your spirit to, to this conversation, to this information and being willing to, to be more actualized and, and more in touch with, with yourself and with others, reach out to people. I'm talking about a real, don't wait until their funeral. Tell them now how much they mean to you. What are we waiting for? I have no idea. Your book talks about the five P's to building confidence, presence, patience, purpose, preparation, and practice. 
We're not going to go through them all because people go to the link, buy the book and read them. But Kate, what I would like for you to do is pick what's your favorite P and why? Oh, great question. You're so great with your questions. You should have a podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we're just having a private conversation somewhere. I forget if people are going to be listening. I love it. Um, You know, patience. I'm a big presence person, but I want to talk about patience because patience stems from the Latin word for suffering, which is why I think we have so much trouble with being patient. We're suffering. We're waiting. Where's my thing? Where's the guy? Where's the gal? Where's the money? Where's the vacation? Where's the whatever? And once I have give you two little stories about patience, one that I'll never forget. It actually happened 20 years ago. At the 2001 Grammy Awards, country singer Shelby Lynn won Best New Artist. And when she accepted her award, she said, thank you. It only took me 13 years and six albums to get here. Best New Artist, which was so laughable to her. I mean, she was trying not to mock the Grammys and her graciousness of accepting this award. But I think we think that especially we see successful people like her, a Grammy winner and think, oh, she just showed up but all the work that goes in behind the scenes to get to our goal and even patience, that lesson and the act of surrender explains why and how I'm alive. My own mother couldn't get pregnant for almost eight years. Doctor said, it's not going to happen. You have to adopt if you want children and I'm here. I have an older brother. So that's just the, the art and act of surrender. She quote unquote gave up, not in as she threw in the towel, but just gave it up to a higher power. I think it took the stress and pressure off her body. She was pregnant with my brother a month later. So this stuff works. These practices work if we do. And I think that's just something to keep in mind is, is to really enjoy the process. I don't think we enjoy the process. We just complain along the way Mm -hmm. that we're not there or Tommy on Instagram is there. Why am I not there yet? Or whatever it is, we think everybody else has it so much easier. We judge them and their journey. So I think just honoring where we are, knowing that your time will come, what's meant for you can't miss you and have some fun along the way. You're, you're building the musculature, you're, you're learning the lessons and you're, you're gaining all of the wisdom that you need to actually be in a place of success when you get to the place where you want to go. Back to the circle that we continue to spiral here. Social media has a lot to do with patience because people will look at somebody's followers and go, well, they have X number of followers. How come I don't? And they have this and they have that social media. I think it's good because it really can help you grow a brand and do some really good things, but it also is bad in regards to patience because people want things now and they want them instantaneously. And it's just, and not only is it social media, but society has done that to us as well. Yeah. So that's when you need to unplug from that mentality. We're all plugged into it, whether we realize it or not. We are bombarded with so many messages telling us we need those followers or we're not worthy. We need to look this way. Not going to be loved. We need this or you're not valuable. So coming back home, I can't say it enough. Spending that time with yourself, doing the work that it takes to be the person who is unfazed by all of this nonsense that we're describing. And it's, it's a practice like anything else. You know, one of the P's, like you said, is practice. And I think of Tom Brady, who we're the same age. We are both big 10 athletes at the same time. He's still winning Super Bowls. My knees hurt when I go to Pilates. So I bow (laughs) down to you, Tom, but Tom Brady practices harder than anyone out there, not because he's the worst, but because he's the best. 
talent merits investment. I think there's this notion that we should just be able to show up every now and then and, and, and get what we want. You really do have to make this a consistent practice and put in the work and you'll want to keep going when you see the results. Like, oh, wow, I logged onto Instagram. I saw things in the past that would have really triggered me. Now I'm completely unaffected by it. Or I don't need to log into Instagram at all because I'm going out to eat with my friend and we're going to talk about her new passion project. Or I'm going to, you know, go for a, a walk in nature and really connect with my myself and, and feel the endorphins from moving my body. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I just, I think that we don't even, it's like Instagram, it's going to be to the point. It's like, who cares? Because I'm so immersed in all of these other things. I don't have, I don't even have the time or energy to even remember to be stressed out by it. You know? Do you have a, a tip or a key for somebody then that might be going, okay, I listen to everything you're saying. I get it, but I still find myself from time to time spinning out of control. Hello. Welcome to being a human. Congratulations. You are normal. I spin out of control too. And when I do, I go and I sit my butt down and I say, you are spinning out of control. You're going to sit here for 10 minutes. Are you going to go for a walk until you aren't spinning? You're going to go for a walk until you forgive that person. It might be yourself. You're going to sit down and relax and pay attention to your breath and close your eyes until you stop spinning. And it's okay. And it's very normal. I think we need to start normalizing what it means to have a bad day, to be in a dark place, to not feel worthy. All of these things are, are part of the human experience. Please let yourself off the hook. Take the time to care for yourself. And really what that means for you, everyone has something different. I can give you all the suggestions in the world, but where do you go when you're having a hard time and making these things a practice? Be the Tom Brady and your self care whatever it means for you. I give you a million ways to do it in the book. I invite you to explore even some of them. It it really will help, but we got to stop judging ourselves and beating ourselves up and thinking that we always have to be anything other than, but anything other than who and what we are in the moment. Just, I think the more that you're present, my first P when you're present, you're not going to be spinning because you're present in the moment and, and what you're doing and, and who you're with. Maybe it's just yourself. Outside of the full spirit workout, the book that you can get, you also have a bunch of other services and they're all at very reasonable cost on your website. If you would give out the website and how people can connect with you. Sure. So it's kateekman.tv. Ekman is E-C-K-M-A-N. You can also go to the fullspiritworkout.com. That will also link to my website, give you all the information about the book. I love that I have free meditations. There's 12 of them, all the ones from the book for free on my website. I mix them in high frequency. So it'll take you on a journey. It's going to soothe your mind and your body. I would take advantage of that. I listened to one when I was getting ready this morning, I wasn't closing my eyes meditating, but just even being in that space of calm and relaxation, 10 minutes, give yourself that gift. It is free. I did this for you. (laughs) Please take advantage. And I'd love to connect on, we talk about social media, but I say connect because it won't be about competition. It'll be about collaboration and community and a place for you to feel seen and heard in my presence. I follow people back. I engage with comments and I, I really want people to feel really good in my presence. Everyone's always talking about their purpose. That's my purpose is to help with the collective healing of the world and everyone to feel better in my presence by being seen and heard and acknowledged. 
Kate, I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your day, spreading some of your energy with my listeners before the lights. We only hit a, a really small, small dot on the radar of what this whole thing is. So I encourage people to get the book and go to the website, but thank you for your time. Time is valuable to me. Time is valuable to me and thank you for your time and thank you to all of your listeners time. We're all in this together. It's, it's been a really great time. So thank you. You are welcome. If you'd like to join only three snack crisp and be part of the sponsorship, connect with me. You can reach out to me at before the lights pod at gmail.com. If you want to donate to the show, well, then you have to go to the website before the lights pod.com and click on the donate page. You can follow me on Instagram at before the lights podcast. Thank you for listening to Before the Lights. I'm Tommy Canale. And until next time, everybody, a salute, a chin chin. <laughs>